Thank you for listening to the Convergence House of Prayer podcast. Please enjoy this message by Pastor Andrew Aguilar. I have so much that I want to pray for. Let's start with uh, California. (laughs) So, um, unless you've had your head under a rock for some reason, (laughs) we have some major fires that are going on all over our state, specifically one in a town that is very close to our hearts. Uh, We have many family members in the the city of Reading, and also our sister church, Bethel, is in Reading, and... uh, that town is seeing just so much uh, destruction and tragedy and just broken hearts all over. So keep them in your prayers. But let's just take a moment right now as the body of Christ to just lift up some prayers for them. You guys do that with me? I'll just lead. You guys want to just agree. Heavenly Father, we speak peace to this storm, this fiery storm, God. We live in a world that is fallen, that is, that is broken, but you are the ones, you are the one who makes those wrong places right. You are the one who supplies us with our need. We need rain, God. We need rain over Redding, California, over that entire region, Lord. Would you work a miracle today, Lord? That it wouldn't grow at double the size overnight, God, but it would end in an instant because rain from heaven would fall on that dry land, Lord. Yes, it is out of season. It is not rainy season, God. But you tell us to be ready in season and out of season. We know that you're ready in season and out of season. So, Lord, we just ask that this fire would be quenched in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, that... This would be a symbol for all to see your glory. That we would see the Lord, that your hand would be the the key to stopping this fire. In Jesus' name. After service, um, we're going to take another offering specifically for Reading. And and we're going to shoot all that. Uh, supply over to Bethel because we, we do need to, um, there's need right now. There's people that are losing their houses. There's people that are part of their congregation, that are part of their, their city that need supply. So I just ask you guys, search your heart and whatever the Lord leads you to give. We're going to have some ushers at the back and we can also give on push pay if you select other and say in the um, description, you could say uh, the car fire, C-A-R-R fire. Uh, and then we'll, we'll be sure to get that money over to them into their hands so that the Lord can use that uh, in the way that they need. All right? Cool? And continue to pray, please. All right. Now I'm going to pray for us. You ready? Cool. Oh, Lord, would you stir up hunger? Lord, would you stir up hunger in this room? God, that we would not be satisfied by what we think we need. Father, but we would come into alignment with your will over our life. In that just like Paul, just like Paul in, the, in the plenty and in the lack, Lord, that we would be satisfied with you. 
that we would learn to be content in every season because you are the center of our attention and we're hungry for what you have. Jesus, let, let us be a people that hunger and thirst for righteousness, that hunger to bear good fruit, that hunger to love like you love and see people like you see, that we would be people who hunger to walk in your promises. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you weren't here a few, like, a month and a week ago, uh, I spoke about the table. That was the first installment of this three-part series that I've been kind of throwing together. Um, just had the opportunity to share this week and also last week. Uh, the first part was the invitation to the table. And the table that we're talking about is not just a regular, ordinary table. This is the table of a king, yeah. our heavenly father. That when we accept this invitation, he's actually given us a robe and a ring that we wear because it has our inheritance. It's a symbol, our salvation, and, and the call, the, the, the blood that runs through our veins is, loyal, is royal because he's created us in his image. From day one, you were created as royal. From day one, you were created to win. I share the story of 2 Samuel chapter 9 about this gentleman named Mephibosheth who was broken. His feet were broken, and it wasn't even his fault. He was dropped as a baby. But the Lord orchestrates this beautiful story. The king holds, which is David at this time, holds Strong to his promise that he promised his best friend that he would take care of his family no matter what. Mephibosheth is the last family member of this line. And David says, I have to hold my promise. Goes and picks up Mephibosheth and says, come on, you're going you're gonna to be taking care of the rest of your life. It doesn't matter what you look like or what your past has been, what your ancestors have done. You are royalty. And that's what Jesus has done for us. It doesn't matter what our past looks like or the brokenness that we have in our body. We're not defined by our situations. We're defined by the royal blood that runs through our veins. You are royalty. There's not a position, a job promotion, however many kids you have, your marital status, that does not define you. Your heavenly father defines you. And he has a seat at his table that is specifically for you. And at his table, he has a full supply. And that's what we talked about last week. The stewardship of what he has given us. The little things matter. Our families do matter. And we need to take care of those things. And this week, we're going to talk about God's will. See, he, we, we use this phrase often, especially when we're ministering to people that feel hopeless. We say, God has a plan for your life, which is so true. But I think I could go around the room and say, what's God's will for your life? 
And I think we would have a ton of different answers. But I believe that there is one broad stroke over every breathing human on the face of this planet that is the will for each and every one of us to live in, to orchestrate our life around, that actually helps us plan the, the steps of every day that we live. And that's what I want to talk about today. How, how many of you guys want to learn about God's will? Yes. Ephesians 5 says that we can understand his will. C-A-N. We can understand his will. It's talking about walking in wisdom. Be wise in all your ways. Don't be unwise. Be wise. And understand the Lord's will. So that's a promise. How many of you, or is it just me, have ever looked at your life and you've gone, man, I feel like I have no direction. I feel like I'm spinning my wheels. <clears throat> I feel like I haven't met my purpose. I, I, I'm not walking in my purpose. There's so much more that I want to do, and I just can't do it because A, B, and C. I don't have enough money. I don't, I don't have this, the, the marriage that I want. My kids are just too much for me right now. I can't do that. My job has so much pressure on me. I have no time for anything else. Come on, this is Silicon Valley. My wife and I were sitting there the other day talking with one another. We discovered that we have seven different streams of income because we have to. Silicon Valley, right? I think that I'm looking at a group of people in this room that are probably the most hardest working Americans in the planet, maybe on the planet. <laughs> we have to work and we work hard which is a beautiful thing and a terrible thing. It's terrible if we don't have our values in line. All right. <clears throat> Can I share a story? And this is my story. And... Um, One, one thing that I, I try to say often is that when I get on the stage, like this is not a, a platform. This is not something for me to boast in myself about. I want Jesus to be glorified. That's why I'll tell my story. My story is not more important than your story, but I believe that our testimony is the spirit of prophecy. So I'm not up here saying that I'm high and lofty and I know so much more than everybody else. No. We have the same anointing. We have the same inheritance. We all have the same purpose. I was 14 years old. I got saved. I, my mom came home from a conference, she led me to Jesus. I was sitting on the couch watching the news. I was having such a hard time. It was my school year between my eighth grade and my freshman year. That's like the hardest time in life, right? Like so many things are happening. 
And it is so confusing. And as a youth pastor, like, I get to deal with that on the daily. And um, I love it. It's, it's good. So August 3rd, 2004, I say yes to Jesus. And um, my, my birthday's coming up pretty soon. So August 3rd, right? That's, anyways, I get two birthdays now. So, um, <clears throat> yes, we do share a birthday. She's like, uh-uh. Um, so, Jesus is so amazing. I remember about a year later, I was sitting there. I, I had a futon, and I slept on a futon for way too long. It, like, killed my back as a teenager. It was my choice, though. I had told my mom I wanted it, and they got it for me. So, anyways. <laughs> But I remember waking up on my futon, 15 years old, and, and the Lord put on my heart, you're going to be in full-time ministry. I've called you to be in full-time ministry. And I said, okay, God. And he showed me a picture of California. And then uh, it sparked in the bay. I saw a bleep of light. Then I saw a couple more bleeps. I saw some in Texas. I saw some all over America. And he said, I've called you to network, and, and your ministry is going to start here, and you're going to go throughout the world. And I said, okay, whatever that means. Like, sure. <laughs> I, I orchestrated my life to pursue Jesus, not to pursue ministry. Ministry was the effect of where I put my heart. See, we don't chase after the position. The, the Lord opens those doors. We are given a portion. And what we do with that portion will... Def will will affect how it grows. It will affect how it takes root. Um, so, Hannah and I, we met and we dated all through high school. We got married uh, in 2010. We, right out of, right out of high school, I started working. And uh, then I became a carpenter, and I was working full-time. And the whole time knowing that the Lord had called me into ministry, but I, had, I, had to, I, start, <laughs> I started really despising my job. I had to get up at 4.30 in the morning, start work at 5.30 in the morning, and just plow all day long, sometimes working 12 hours a day. Years went by, still remembering what the Lord had said. But you know, do I share that, Holy Spirit? <laughs> there was something that I recognized that I wasn't learning, I was missing the point of this season. And the Lord in his goodness, he kept me there. In 2014, I had one of the hardest seasons of my life. We just had Hope and Samuel. 
And when you have kids, you don't really realize how selfish you are. Until you have, I mean, we got married. Hannah and I got married, and I had to realize that, oh, I got to take care of somebody else. Then she got pregnant. We got pregnant. Thank God. (laughs) She carried them, but you know what I'm saying. There's two, so literally, no break. Hope and Samuel are here, and I remember leaving for work, waking up at 4.30, leaving for work, working 12-hour shifts during the summer, coming home, and continually working nonstop. I wasn't in full-time ministry. I wasn't where I thought I would be. So I started going down this path of where I'd be trying to fulfill my life with a nicer vehicle, with time that was my time. My heart got hard, even towards the church. Many of you might not have been around in that season, but some of you were, and no one even knew. Nobody asked me how I was doing. Nobody asked me where I was. Where's my heart? How's it going? People do. I remember one time somebody asked me, my first year of marriage, how's marriage? I said, It's hard. (laughs) And that person had no idea how to respond. My heart got hard. (sighs) I was despising who I was because I felt like I was just trapped in this career path that I did not want to be in. I said, God, (laughs) I don't want to be here, but I was making a good amount of money. Like, it was a good amount of money. At that time, that was our only source of income that we needed. And the Lord allowed me to get to the place to where I was completely broken, to where I had to come out. And I had to tell my wife, my heart is not in the right place. I am unhappy with my life. I had everything I ever wanted. You know how when kids say, I need this, that word is so tossed to and fro in our language, and it is so inaccurate. (laughs) Because my son Samuel will say, Dad, I need ice cream right now. (laughs) And you know that boy needs to go to bed. (laughs) 
That's the only thing he needs. But we do the same thing with the Heavenly Father. I need this breakthrough right now. Do you? Or are you missing the message and the lesson that he's trying to teach you right in this moment? I'm not saying that the pain is not real. It is 100% real. I'll say it time and time again. He cares more about our character and us developing it into being more like Jesus. So I had to realize real quick my own selfish desires. Why I was really going to work. I was going to work because I had to. That was my mentality. Because that's what I was raised around. Like we have to go to work. You have to be responsible for what the Lord's given you. This is not permission to sit back and do nothing. No. This is, I'm talking about the lesson that the Lord was teaching me. I had to come to the end of myself and realize my selfish desires and how ungodly I was. How I was not loving my family or my wife the way Christ loves the church. Because it was conditional. I'll do this, but I need this. I'll do this, but I need to make sure that this is the result. I was not taking care of my heart. My motive was driven by greed. And you're saying, what does this have to do with the will of God, Andrew? Like, you're just up here talking about your story. I want to tell you. Sometimes we develop plans that sound really good to ourselves. And we start to make decisions in life. And I... I can't remember who told me. But we can make decisions that are good, better, and best. The Lord is faithful through every season, and he'll never leave us. That's what we have assurance of. So whatever decision we make, it can be a good decision. There is a decision that's better. And there is a decision that's best. I chose to go on the route that I did. I mean, I, I could look across this room. There's so many different walks of life, so many different career paths. You might not even be happy with where you're at right now. But he's still faithful. He's still faithful to meet you right where you're at with the decisions that you've made. With whatever career you have. With However, your marriage is looking right now. He's still faithful to meet you right where you're at. There is no one who's ever too far gone. There's no one who's made too many wrong decisions. The Lord is faithful no matter what. 
let's read some scripture. I'm going to go to John 6, verse 38. This is Jesus. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. After reading that scripture, I go, Jesus himself didn't come to finish his own plan. He didn't come with his own idea. He came to do the will of the Father. The will of the one who sent him. It was his desire to do his Father's will. I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians 2, 5. Sorry, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, verse 14. For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that the one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him, for their sake, died and was raised. My question is, like me, I had to ask myself, what am I really here for? Am I here to fulfill the dream that I had, that I felt like the Lord had given me, to start ministries and go throughout the earth. And I want to stress the importance of the word right here that hopefully most of you brought. But it says that this is a light to our path. See, some of us have been given words or have had dreams that we hold on to like full truth. And we build our lives around these things. But then we get into a season where we're not seeing those things come into fruition and we get really mad. And we say things are not going right in life. I had another word <laughs> that someone said I wouldn't be in ministry till I was 40. I'm not 40. <laughs> Words are meant for encouragement. What I do, I get a word, someone says, you're not going to be in the ministry until you're 40. I say, oh, thank you for that. And I'll put it on my shelf. I have a spiritual mantle that has my fireplace in my house, my spiritual house. And I say, yeah, people have said these things. There's another person, I remember when I was a teenager that prophesied, you're going to lead worship with a bright red guitar and playing. Uh, I'll lead worship. You don't, I'll lead worship in the shower. 
but I'm not going to lead worship. Like, if it happens, it happens. That's the, if it happens, it happens mantle. But there's something that reigns true in every season. There is a word that you can hold on to that is spoken through the one whose voice has been heard since the creation of time. This is the path. And when I came to the realization in 2014 that I was not living for the one who came and died for me, though I had surrendered my life and was walking and I knew I was going to go to heaven, I was limiting myself. I was limiting myself through selfishness because I didn't want to learn the lesson. I didn't want to go through the process. I wanted my microwave Christianity where I just put in the promise, push the button, and it comes out and serve. That is not the way that it works. So this is what I had to do. I came into realization that I was selfish. So I had to start cultivating a life with my wife again to woo her heart daily. So I went to our amazing in-laws and I said, can we for a season have a date every week? So every Wednesday we have a date. And that time is so important to us. Because I remember the struggle that we had in our marriage and the lack from my workaholicness that I was not investing time in the one who God gave me. I was not stewarding well the promises that I had made, the covenant that I made with the Lord and with my wife. But he was faithful. So faithful that we have a second pair of twins. <laughs> it's true his promise is true he'll put you right back where you should be you, you don't have to work your way back up the ladder he, your inheritance is now and forever we just have to be willing to walk in it I knew that the Lord spoke to me often, and I know that I hear his voice. And um, on a job site, you're constantly talking with people, coming face to face with people. And also, there's colorful language that is thrown around often. Heavy materials are being lifted groans and grunts from these roughest people. One of, one of my favorite coworkers to work with did 13 years in prison for attempted murder. But he's one of my favorite guys just because he was so easy to talk to. But I knew that these people were the, day, the, the people that I came into contact with daily. And what would set me apart from them? 
why was I even going to work? Why was I even willing to wake up? See, the will of God is that we stop living for ourselves. The will of God is that we start living for him. This is the broad stroke. Wherever you're at, the will of God is that you work diligently wherever you are. And you don't take those moments for granted. That we don't cast judgment on people, but instead we infiltrate with love. The will of God is that we put ourselves behind so we can lift others up. We live in the Silicon Valley, which is a constant competition for whoever's going to put out the best product wins. It's a race. The kingdom of heaven is different. It says freely you have been given. Freely you've received, so freely give. We walk around with this fear that somebody's going to be better than us. I, <laughs> I was asked to do a podcast, <clears throat> and it was a business podcast, to be a guest on this podcast. And um, there were some questions before about uh, specifically four business people. And it was regarding money. And the question was, how, oh man. Anyways, man, I wish I remembered how to, how to exactly what it was. This wasn't in my notes, so it's just coming to me. The question was regarding money and making money and um, the trusting the Lord and as you're plowing through these seasons to get to the victory and all the money comes in. Like that's the business model, right? You start doing these things so you make money. I asked the, the host of the show, I said, what if it was God's will for you just to survive. Would you be okay with that? It's hard. It's hard asking a room full of people who are in the Silicon Valley that are having jobs that are making strides so that they can be successful. But would you be okay if the will of God was for you to be right where you're at right now. Would you still follow him? I had to accept that I wasn't in the place where I wanted to be. But no matter what, I had to be faithful. No matter what, I had to work hard. And I had to look at my heroes because I was hungry, hungry for ministry, hungry to speak. So I started cultivating this lifestyle instead of 
listening to the job site radios. I brought my own headphones so I could pop in my headphones and start listening to podcasts and filling my, my life with something other than Boston more than a feeling. <laughs> I swear, if I hear that song one more time, I'll go crazy. If you ever want to know what a job site sounds like, put your head in a diesel truck engine while blasting 1077 The Bone. <laughs> That's exactly what it sounds like. I had to start cultivating in my heart a place where I'd be groomed and learn and grow to be the pastor, the leader, the parent that I wanted to be. See, we've always been passionate about Jesus, right? That's why we follow him. But we're called to disciple people and to lead people and to care for people more than to be a part of the fivefold. We're called, every single one of us is called. If you follow Jesus, you're called to make disciples of all nations. In order for you to make a disciple, you have to teach them about Jesus. So my friend who did 13 years in prison, I need to be able to communicate to this guy. I wanted to be the best communicator that I could ever possibly be. So I started listening to some of the, my most favorite communicators. Because I was hungry to communicate like they did. To get the message across just like they did. But I know the Lord has designed each and every one of us with our own structure. Something else that we've all been through. There is something unique about you. Your work of art. You're pleasing in his sight. It is his will for us to love. It is his will for us to follow in his promises. To take care of the ones who need. <clears throat> I'll read this scripture again. For the love of Christ controls us. If you're not being influenced by Jesus' love, I ask you, what is your motive then? Because Paul is saying, I'm influenced by the love of Jesus. Paul, the person who was okay and content in every season was influenced by Jesus. First Samuel 17 is where the story of David and Goliath happened. And David goes down to the city 
or down to the, the battlefield where the Philistines are and the Lord's army. And Goliath is out there taunting the people, mocking God. So David goes to the king and says, I, I want to face this, this mocker. And he says, you are a youth. From his youth, he has been a warrior. And David steps back and says, my king, I, I, I know. I'm paraphrasing. This is Andrew's paraphrase, but it's accurate, I promise. He says, I know. I know he's a warrior. But see, what, what you might not know is that I, I'm a shepherd. Ooh, Jesus. Oh, God. What you're doing, wherever you're at, it's hard. It's hard work. You're investing. David says, I, I'm a shepherd. And I've seen the Lord's faithfulness. You see, when, when a sheep gets taken up by a lion, I've had to go over and I've had to hit them in the mouth. And if they didn't, if they drop it but come back on me, I've had to stab it so I wouldn't die. You see, my king, I've been fighting my giants faithfully since I've been on this job. See, when you stay faithful with where you're at in those little things, even though they feel like lions and bears, one day you will face your Goliath. And through the faithfulness of the Lord, because you've been okay with the will that he's had on your life to just be a shepherd for now, to serve well for now, to take care of the sheep in your life for now, because that's where he has you right now. He says, this, this is what I've been doing. And he sees the Goliath. And we know the rest of the story. But because of David's faithfulness in his seasons when nobody was looking when nobody saw his faithfulness to the Lord, when nobody saw him worshiping in the secret place, that was his supply for the victory that everyone knows him by. And you see, when we walk in the will of the Lord, what happens is later you'll be given people who follow in your footsteps and who will rally around you. They'll be your mighty men. And because the victory that you've walked in, Goliath's brothers rise up and his mighty men David, the king, his mighty men take out his brothers. They walk in the victory 
that their king did. It's a common thing that we say in this house that the generations behind us, our children, we want their ceiling to be our floor. The things that we've been paving and making way in. That we want our children to take it to the next level. You see, you have so much potential on your life. You have so much potential on your life that you will never meet your full potential. You go from glory to glory to glory to glory. It does not end. One completed work brings on another completed work. And we are not to despise the small trials, the things that feel like lions, but we're to take those and learn so that our character develops and we stop living for ourselves and living for the one who died for us. It was not Jesus' will to die. It was his father's will. He sat in the garden with his disciples. He told them to, to pray that they will not be tempted. The dudes fell asleep. Jesus comes back, or is, is in his place that he often is. That's what the word says. And he's praying. And he says, Father, if you would take this cup from me, but not my will, your will be done. There's some things that you face in your life that only you can face. There's some tasks that you have to do for your family that only you can do. But there's a promise because in your victory, it'll be counted the victory for the generations after you. Just like our older brother Jesus' victory, that he rose from the grave, we will live for eternity because of what he did. Thank you, Jesus. I ended up preaching my sermon backwards again. I did that last night and I did it today. <sighs> I believe that the Lord is raising up people that are hungry. And I know that people are, that are in this room, personally, I know you and how faithful you've been in this season through the thick and thin of life. My encouragement to you is just to keep going. Keep going. It gets better. You see, what are we really getting people saved to? 
Are we getting people saved so that they will never have a worry ever again in their life? No way. Are we getting people saved to where they'll never be tempted to sin again? No. We're leading people in the ways of Jesus so that we could come to the end of ourselves and realize what truth is and how we can walk in the fullness of joy in the midst of chaos, in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death, the one that we're walking through, that we're not building our house in. We're walking through this valley. If we want to see a change in our nation, we have to walk in the will of the Father, the one that he's laid out for all of us. There's too many, too many lies, too many conspiracies. There's too many voices we need to listen to the one voice that is true for every believer. And it's our job to fix what's going on in America right now. You and me. It's our job. How do we do it? We follow his will. We realize that we don't know everything. But we, we, what we can rely on is love we start valuing our family again in the lives, the lives that he has given us, the relationships that are in our lives. Not just going, how you doing? Blessed and highly favored. Get in somebody's life. Learn from them or disciple them. Do both. We cannot go on any longer being disconnected from one another. There's too many casualties in the body of Christ. Because like I said before, what are we really getting people saved to? I'm not saying you need to be perfect. I'm saying you need to be truthful. I'm saying you need to walk in love. I'm not saying you have to have all the answers. I'm saying you got to be there. And weep with those who weep. And rejoice with those who rejoice. We need to walk in compassion again. We need to feel for one another. The highest form of thinking is empathy. But we've lost it. We've lost it because we've been so busy trying to fulfill our will and our plan. And I get it. You can't be in everybody's life. Be in somebody's. That's right. 
be in somebody's life. Love somebody. Feel for somebody. Did you see my quick sign? Was it my keyboard sign? <laughs> I just want to wrap it up here. I hope that my words are encouraging and challenging. That's my prayer. I want to encourage you, but I also want to challenge you to take action in your life. Don't just come here to hear somebody speak a message. I challenge you to take action with your children. I challenge you to take action with your spouse. It doesn't matter what you said. I, I get it. We say some stupid stuff. I challenge you to extend forgiveness. I challenge you to think of somebody else but yourself, then yourself. I challenge you to get into the Word and sit at the table with the Heavenly Father so he can speak into your life again. I challenge you to be faithful with the little places. Even though you might just be a shepherd, faith is believing that one day you will see that victory. Could I have our ministry team come up? If you're uh, on the team today, I just would love for you to come up and help me minister. I want to extend an invitation this morning. If you've heard these messages for the past couple weeks, and if you haven't, I just encourage you to go on YouTube, check them out. But today, if you are having a hard time agreeing with where you're at right now, the Holy Spirit is our helper. He will lead us and he'll guide us. He will give us eyes to see how our Heavenly Father sees our situation. There's a lot of complicated things that are going on in our lives every single day, whatever season we're in, but he's our helper. If there's areas that you feel like you have failed, I would love for you to come up and receive some encouragement that will help you try again. You're not a failure. Only if you quit, you failed. You haven't quit yet. There's still air in your lungs. You haven't quit yet. Keep going.
So they're going to be playing some work, some singing to Jesus. <laughs> and I'm going to get down and help pray from a distance because I am running a fever. But I want you guys to know that God is going to do some things in your life that will change your perspective forever. I believe that you're going to start to see your life in a new light. That you will start to enjoy the trial. And that the taste of victory will be like a fine meal. But you're going to continually be hungry for what the Lord is to show you next. And that your problems will now be seen as avenues of learning and that your issues will now never define you but it will be just like a school lesson to your life so heavenly father I thank you for convergence I thank you for each and every soul that is in this room and holy spirit I ask that you would be our leader and our guide I ask that you would supply us with vision, Lord. And that we would be okay with your will. Whatever it is, God, that we would take it at face value, God. That we would take it by the horns. That we would be courageous enough to say yes to whatever you have for our lives because we will hold on to your promises that your plan is to prosper us, to give us hope, and to give us future. We know, God, that you have promised many great things. So we hold on to our dreams. We hold on to the promise. Jesus, even I sign up again, Lord. I say yes to your will. I say yes to the challenge of raising a family of four. I say yes to the challenge of, of loving my, myself and my life and my wife and, and everything that comes with that. I say yes again, Lord. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more messages like this, please subscribe and thank you for listening.